Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Hey, Gabby, you can't. I need some advice. Well, good more. Well, good more. Let's go. All right, that looks great, Gabby. Let's make those legs longer. So, Gene, how's it going with the kids? Let's go. Let's go. You want to train with me? Yeah, Pauline, the strawberry beer's got you. Come on, smile there. Hello, Mom. Push the earth away, Gabby. Sometimes, I don't want to say when one is an overly grounded person, you miss a lot. And I would love to know, being from England, first of all, how does one get into this space when you're a young person? Were you fascinated by dreams? Like, how did your journey into this begin? Oh, how long have you got? Well, I was kind of born into it because I was born into a family of traveling psychic spiritualists. So I grew up believing that everybody talked about their sun signs, read tarot cards, decoded their dreams and talked to dead people, you know. (laughs) And of course, when I went to university, I was home educated, actually. I was lucky enough to get into King's College, Cambridge to read religion. And when I went there from a very sheltered community of people believing in these mystical ideas... Of course, it was a big shock to realize that most people don't actually think that way and that actually it wasn't normal. Well, they considered normal to dream decode, to believe in the spiritual, the unseen world. Because I think a lot of us have this idea that we have an idea about what you're talking about, but not really. When you say dream decode, can you, I mean, obviously it's like analyzing our dreams, but can you say what that looked like from a group that not only maybe believed it, but also there was sort of a a, a practice around that? But of course, every morning when I get up, my mother would encourage me to talk about my dreams. It was how we started the day. And actually, now I've done so much research into it, I've dedicated my life into understanding it. There is a culture, the Sinoic tribe, where that is center stage. And the incidence of crime and depression in that culture is zero. Could it be the dream decoding, the emphasis they place that children as young as four are called to the elders of the tribe to talk about their dreams because dreams are considered as important as your waking reality? And for me, that was the same, that if you dream something, I was encouraged to go back into my dream and sort out my fears there so that it was easier in my waking life. That was how I was brought up. And dream decoding is basically when you have a dream, understanding what your intuition, your heart is trying to tell you through the symbolic pictures of dreams. And then using that information in your waking life to bring you fresh perspective, a bigger picture, a beneath the surface meaning. And in our modern lives today, we live so much on the surface. We don't look at the hidden and deeper meaning. 
I was very fortunate to be brought up in a way where it was always about nothing is what it seems. Look beneath the surface. What truly matters here? What is the heart noticing, but the head isn't? Because during the day, we're led by our head and our ego. We have to, because we have to get things done, right? I mean, we can't all be dreamy and, and mystical and meditate. But at night, when we fall asleep, everything that our heart has noticed, but our head hasn't, comes to the fore in symbolic metaphorical way. Dreams are a bit like art. If you want to understand a painting, really, you have to meditate on it. You have to look at all the thousands of meanings in that painting. Whereas during the day, it's just very literal. It's very black and white. If people can try to understand the comparison between dreams and art and music, where there's lots of meanings. And don't you think, depending on where you're at, maybe you're going through something, you're at a certain point in your life, you look at that art or hear that song, and it would then bring a different meaning. And maybe it's the guide. What is the Dalai Lama like the inner wisdom of you? It's like, don't you think in a way that also it transmits back a message that we need at that moment? Absolutely. Absolutely. What I loved that you said there is that the best person to be your therapist, your counselor, your guide, your guru is yourself. And that's what happens. Your dreams are actually you talking to you and relying on yourself, your own inner wisdom. And a lot of people, the mistake they make is to think, got to look externally, relationships, career, teachers, gurus, tell me, tell me, tell me. Now, that's an important part of our journey because we need teachers and mentors. However, at the end of the day, the biggest personal growth and development is always be personal. And that's what my work is really, is to connect people with their inner therapist, their inner guide, their inner guru, their inner psychic. We all have it. Research shows we have it. It's in our genes. It's in our DNA. But we get cut off from it. And that's where all the troubles start because we're looking externally for what is always within us. And dreams take us back to that place of deep inner wisdom. And if only we learnt how to dialogue with our dreams, fall in love with our dreams, we would feel so much more happier and fulfilled. And the people I've worked with, I've seen it happen. When they start realising that at night they are so wise, they are talking to themselves, they are helping themselves, it's very, very empowering in their waking life. And also, you don't feel so alone. You realise that you've got your own back, if you know <laughs> that sounds weird, but you have. There's a part of you, the eternal, infinite part of you that has your own back. But we live in a very logical, rational world, and it's trying to connect to the deeply intuitive, not irrational, but hidden and unseen part of us. And that's what dream decoding does. And I love dream decoding because it's an entry point for spiritual and personal growth, where even people who say they're not spiritual or psychic, they're still, why do we dream? What was that about? And I love it. It enables me to talk about spiritual topics in such a mainstream way. I mean, I've been able to go onto mainstream radio, TV, talking about dreams. But what they don't realize is when I'm talking about it, it's opening a door to spiritual and psychic growth. It's the way in. It's the first port of call for spiritual and personal growth and development. Let me back it up just a little to a 101. So do you have siblings? Uh, a brother, yes. Okay. So when you were young children and both of your parents were open to these conversations or was it? Oh, more yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's what I grew up in. It's a family. I had a medium for an aunt, you know, at the age of four or five, I was going to mediumship demonstrations and the idea that when you died, your spirit or soul lived on was something I accepted. You don't die. Your body does. Death ends a life, not a relationship was how I grew up. So you woke up in the morning and your mom would say, okay, what did you dream about? Yes. And do you find like, maybe we could put it into parallel of somebody who's never experienced this. Is it also the cultivation of that? Then it becomes a richer experience. You know, maybe your dreams for you, your whole life versus I come in, I'm supposedly a fully formed adult, whatever that means. And I visit you and I say, this is something I'd like to pay more attention to and cultivate. Do you have people write things down? Is it at least in the morning recognizing what they experienced in the night? What does that look like? Let's say you have somebody who really is in this very logical world. I mean, I do laugh the fact that you are British, which always, you know, you're sort of a <laughs> sensible group, right? Yeah. have a good if you can get to your culture, I imagine you can probably talk to anyone at this point. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, my mother actually was Indonesian. My father was British. So I'm kind of like 
mixed race. And I don't know if that played something into it that I'm a kind of a mix of culture. My husband's Chinese, so I feel like I'm crossing the world. And also my children were born in America, so they're American citizens. So I feel like I've got a bit of the whole world there. But yes, like anything in life, what you pay attention to grows. So if you start thinking about dreams more, and when you recall them, writing them down, you're going to have more following night, more and more. That's what happens. And I hope anyone listening to this podcast who say they don't dream, well, first of all, they do. Research shows they do. They're just not remembering their dreams. They're not recalling them. I hope that this podcast will trigger a dream because they're listening to me talking about dreams. Because what the dreaming mind does is during the day, it picks up on everything in your waking life. Dreams are very current. People often think they're dreaming about their past or whatever, but they're not. Every night when you dream, you're dreaming about what is present in your waking life in a symbolic way. And if symbols from the past appear like your childhood or your school, it's because something from your school or your childhood is being recalled in your present day, those emotions. So it goes back into your past to pick out these symbols to make you pay attention. Look, that person who picked on you at school may appear in your dream. That's because in your waking life, there may be a relationship where there's a similar dynamic. So don't think you're dreaming about your past when you dream about your past. You're actually dreaming about your present. It's teaching people really to think in terms of symbols and metaphors and to look beneath the surface. But to go back to what you're saying, yes, what you pay attention to grows. So if you have an attitude that dreams are meaningless, random nonsense, you don't remember them, of course, you're not going to get much dream recall. You have to shift that attitude and say, before you go to sleep, I'm going to dream tonight. It's going to be fun. Show me, dreaming mind, what you want me to know. Show me something that will help my personal growth and development. The more you do that, the more your dreams will start to respond and they will reward you. And don't panic if you always have nightmares. A lot of our dreams, about 90% are anxiety dreams. And that's actually really healthy because it's your dreaming mind trying to help you release all these emotions that you maybe repress during the day, deny or not pay attention to. It's trying to help you face your shadow, understand your shadow. And then in your waking life, know you have the potential for darkness within you, but to choose not to use it. That is true inner strength. True inner strength is knowing that you have the shadow. We're all a mix of good and bad. But it's choosing the choice that you make. And dreams remind you that you have the power. And that that gives you such strength. It's so funny because I always say we have this wheel of who we are, the ego, the highly fearful, the brave. We have all these colors. And it's, it's sort of which side we're choosing, like you say, to live on. I even think that, for example, I always say with my husband, for whatever reason, it made it a lot easier for me to choose to be in my best self with his dynamic. And in a way, it's so funny. You're like, oh, I really like them because I like myself more when I'm with them, that kind of thing. But because we do have this sort of ugly sides of ourselves, which is just Mm. part of the mishmash of being a human being. Do you think that the dream also is a way to offload kind of our ugly self safely in a place that doesn't kind of damage our everyday life? Yes, absolutely. Safe role play. That's why when people say, oh, I had a dream, I was cheating or I murdered someone, (laughs) you know, I actually just celebrate and I think, great, because your dreaming mind is getting you in touch with this darkness. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, life is day and it's night. You can't have one without the other. Also, I try to tell them all these great books they love, like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Imagine Harry Potter without Voldemort. Dull. (laughs) Imagine Lord of the Rings without Sauron. Dull. We need that. Unfortunately, darkness is what helps triggers the greatest growth. But it's encountering that darkness, understanding it, and then learning to manage it and control it. You are absolutely right. And also in our lives, it's the same. We meet certain people who make us fall in love with ourselves. And that's in a way what your dreaming mind's doing. It's trying to help you fall in love with yourself every single night. It's your best friend. I understand this idea of using the dream to kind of understand these other sides or the subconscious or something that you didn't even know is bothering you or you need to work out. Do you now, because you're so highly versed and skilled at this, do you ever go into your sleep with the intent of, I have this question, be it this dynamic of this relationship or this work question or this person that works with or for me or an intuition that maybe you have about something? maybe with one of your children. I don't know. I'm just riffing. 
Do you now, because you're so comfortable and fluid in this, can you go to bed with the question and using the dream to sort of bring some of this up to the surface? Absolutely. Uh, I got this idea actually five or so years ago when I worked with a neuroscientist who actually would dream for people. She was like an oracle. This is Dr. Julia Mossbridge. I co-authored a book called The Premonition Code. And it was fascinating because she would say, tell me a problem. I will dream on it for you. <laughs> and she would come back. Neuroscientist. Yes, she's a neuroscientist. I co-authored a book called The Premonition Code, which was fascinating. It was my perspective on dreaming, which is more gentle. Because I'm not a scientist. I'm very aware of that. But she was a neuroscientist and she studies possibility of precognition and, you know, precognitive dreams. So we wrote a book together. It was really fascinating. And she actually dreams for people. It's something she does. She's almost like an oracle. And I started to do it and it works that somebody has a problem and I think about that problem and then I have a dream and then I tell them my dream and we talk about it and the symbols. What association do you have with that symbol? What it does, it's almost like brainstorming. It gives you a totally off the wall new perspective to a problem you can't solve and also encourages you to reflect more deeply. I mean, that's what dream work does. It encourages deeper reflection. And I don't know anyone whose life would not be improved with more reflection. We all need that much more reflection on the choices we make and the ways we talk to ourselves and think about ourselves and the things we do in our lives. And that's what dreams do. They encourage much deeper reflection and writing down the story of a dream and pondering it because that's what you do. You ponder it and you play around with it. And what associations does it trigger? And it can really, really help you when you're feeling stuck or whatever situation. And it can help other people too. You can dream on the behalf of other people. But first of all, just imagine if somebody's been texting you for decades, you've just ignored them. After a while, that person's going to feel not valued. Or when you do reply, you're very dismissive. And that's how the dreaming mind, it's basically every night it's been texting, <laughs> saying, I've got a message, I've got a message, I've got a text, and you've been ignoring it. You've First of all, got to get your dreaming mind to trust that you're taking it seriously. So you need to, first of all, recall your dream steadily for several weeks, start getting into the habit of writing it down. Then your dreaming mind's going to think, eh, finally taking me seriously. Let's have a really rich dialogue now. And a lot of therapy, actually, you know, some therapy sessions begin with tell me your last dream. It's a great way to get very intimate, very quick. And I found that when I do phone-ins for shows and everything, the hosts are always very surprised at how deep it gets so quickly. Because somebody calls in with a dream, like, I murdered my husband last night in my dream. <laughs> and what they're giving there, and they don't realize, they think it's all a joke. It's meaningless. It's not. There's something very deep going on there that you can then gently talk to them about the relationship with the husband, or is it the relationship with themselves? What are we killing within ourselves or in others here? It gets very deep, very quick. Can you give a gentle example of, let's say, someone says, I killed my partner last night. A lot of times, if you trickle through, is it, I'm afraid of losing them? We haven't been intimate. It would be it physical, emotional connection, all the ways that that shows up. Is this sort of like what you find is really at the root of these things? Or Yes. Most dreams are actually not to do with relationships with other people. They're all about the relationship with yourself. It's like going into a hall of mirrors when you dream, that it's you, it's aspects of you. So the husband in the dream, for example, would probably be the masculine assertive part of this person that they're not expressing in their waking life. Perhaps they're very submissive or they haven't spoken up recently in a work situation or a family scenario. And what this dream is trying to say is you need to stop killing that part of you that wants to stand up for yourself. I mean, I have to quiz the person because, you know, dreams can have many interpretations. And I would know when I've got the right meaning because suddenly their eyes would light up and they'd have this moment of illumination and they'd know it's right. But always I would go in, first of all, before I bring in any other people to the interpretation is the personal relationship. What is the husband symbolizing about your personality? Traditional male qualities within a woman. Right? What are you not? Are you not asserting yourself? Are you not expressing yourself? Are you not saying what you really feel? That's how we'd go in. And I would explore that first. And if that doesn't tick any boxes for the person I'm talking to, then we'd move wider afield. Well, first of all, actually, there's typical layers. The first layer is literal. Are you eating too many takeaways at night? Are you not 
as a family eating health look at it literally are you actually doing something which is very toxic usually that's not the case then go to the personal husband the masculine within me what am i killing what am i not expressing what am i not allowing to come to life before it's born what am i doing if that doesn't ring any bells then look at your relationship maybe with your husband and that maybe you're snapping or you're not allowing your husband to express themselves or maybe there's some kind of dissonance so go through those layers literal personal and then outside yourself and then you could actually look bigger picture than that is certain layers to go through with interpretation and you know when you've hit on the right interpretation because you're the best dream decoder is when you just suddenly get i get it you just know it's just like a haha get it it's interesting how what you're saying though seems to be universally true is the reason i even have a self-care practice of trying to eat well and go to bed and work train and do all these things because that's like okay one sort of level of support for myself to function in the world and then the second would be well what is going on with me it is interesting how even in your dreams you're dealing with it in this sphere of well let's look at some of the basics like how's your daily practice of what you're drinking and eating and you know smoking and sleeping and all these things you know this idea of how much we can really change in our world when we in fact can change ourselves i think it is certainly the hardest thing but it is so powerful once we connect with this idea even when it's uncomfortable or ugly you know i'm resenting that or i'm feeling uh, left out or left behind or whatever the things are and especially in family dynamics i think it's it's an interesting thing you have children when you start to layer on other people that you so want and willingly and choose to be of service to at times i think you can feel like well this feels unfair yeah. and it's not their fault right it's like well wait let me look at what i'm not asking for what i'm not saying yeah. you know what boundaries i'm not putting up so it is for me fascinating that still even within the dreaming realm you're still going systematically <laughs> well, look at the basics and now look at <laughs> you and then we can look at the people that you think it's about but it's probably not This podcast is brought to you by Ritual. I've personally been taking Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin since right when COVID hit. I was looking for something supportive and powerful. Someone suggested it to me and lo and behold, I got I did some research and what I love about them is so women were kept out of research until 1993 by federal law. And Ritual really knows how important women are. Obviously, if you're going to be selling them vitamins, they're essential. And they conducted a university-led human clinical trial for their essential for eight women 18 plus multivitamin to really assess its efficacy. So right there, I was intrigued and even more intrigued by the results. It increased vitamin D, which is what I was looking for, by levels up to 43% and omega-3 DHA, so important, levels by 41%. And that was just in 12 weeks. So they take the time and energy to figure out, hey, you know, does this work? And is it going to be good for these women? And not to mention that what they do is so smart. They, they kind of hone in on nine key nutrients and they put it in two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption. So if you're going to spend the time and energy to really, you know, navigate taking supplements, everything is bioavailable. Your body can absorb it. It don't know what to do. And it's really gentle on your on your stomach. So you don't have to worry about like, oh, I have an empty stomach or after food or before food. They just take away all of those pressure points and make it as easy as possible and give you comfort in knowing also that Ritual's multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free. They're certified B Corp and all of their ingredients are made traceable. Don't get me started on the nice little finished touch of the minty kind of aftertaste that they put in it. I mean, they've really thought about everything. So if, you've, if you're interested, if you're in need, no more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. You will get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash Gabby. If you want to start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today, that's Ritual, R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash Gabby to get 25% off your first month. Let's say you get to a place where maybe somebody has years of things that they haven't mentioned or they haven't figured out how to ask for, but let's say somebody uncovers something heavy duty. Do you then have to pass them off and say, okay, well, this is something else that you're going to have to work through, whether it was my dad was mean to me or had unrealistic expectations left, who knows, something heavier. Do you get a pass 
Do you pass off after that or do you go drill down even deeper? I keep on dreaming. That's my mantra because what I love when I start working with people like this is that they start getting really interested in themselves in a way that they haven't before. And it feels so safe because it's all in the land of the dreams and it doesn't feel invasive in any way. So we keep on dreaming. It's We keep on finding out more and more and more. And as they self-discover, become more self-aware, what tends to naturally happen is the courage comes along with it. And, hey, I'm actually worth this. And when the confidence and the courage comes, that's when the miracles happen. And it can all start really with a dream, highlighting something that they're not able to, when they're awake, acknowledge about themselves or their relationships or anything to do with their lives. It's keep on dreaming, keep on doing that because it's your time. It's all about you. And a lot of people, especially women, sadly, are always running around for other people. And this is the time when they find that, no, I really matter. I really, really matter. And I I love that. It's the confidence and creativity boost. Also, it's about, as I say, creativity. People discover that they are artists. They are far more creative than they realize that they have this ability to create these incredible dream stories that are so imaginative and so wonderful that it can lead actually to leaps in their work and in all areas of their life. You know, and I always talk about wonderful novels and works of art. Did you know that Google was a dream? Larry Page, look how he changed the world with that. (laughs) He had a dream that he could download every page and then dropped out of studies and made that dream change the world. Novels, artwork, movies, some of my favorite movies of all time, like The Terminator, a dream. <laughs> so people suddenly realize, I mean, I'm really creative. Because maybe people have been told at school, you're not because you can't draw, you're not creative. But you are. Everybody has night vision. Everybody's a night artist. I try to be pretty steady. I have three daughters, but two are sort of in the world and my youngest is at home. But I always found because I'm trying to measure my words and sometimes maybe not too much, but I'm very careful with what I say because I'm a person who doesn't want to have to take it back. I want to go slow so that I'm when I say it, I know that it's been thought about and dropped off. But there are times where I say it for real, like in the real blasting way that I really want to. I find it a lot in my dream. And another thing, you know, <laughs> weird moment of trying to really use the fun, the more, whatever, less tactful kind of free flowing side of myself. Um, but I find that I can get all my combat out there and that I don't actually then need to do it and drop bombs in my real life. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it is a mirror to yourself going, you are taking the edges off of it. Like, I think all of us have these feelings, but we're also aspiring to try to be a certain way. And I don't mean squished. I mean, like your better, more productive self. Like, hey, if we're going to have a conflict, my whole goal is actually to try to work it out, not to be in conflict. Yes. Like you have to have it to get through the muck and to clear the decks, if you will. But it's like this weird conflict of sometimes my third grade ego I want to win self. Yeah. I I can't stand all of you in my house right now. You're taking me for granted to, I know I love them. It's like, I'm trying to be so succinct with my words because it's going towards the goal of love, peace and resolution. But I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's fun in those dreams to (laughs) To let rip. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the, (laughs) that dreams don't lie. They, they give you an opportunity to do all of that and to get rid of it and to safely role play. You're absolutely right. And that's why they are so important for emotional and psychological well-being. Dreams allow us to release that and to be aware that it's within us so that when we feel it happening in waking life, we think, ah, I've been here before. I'm on top of this. I can handle it. I'm in charge. Yeah, you're right. I love the safe role play aspect of dreams. And to go back to the tribal cultures, when children in their dreams encounter tigers, they are encouraged to go back into the dream by the elders of the tribe to turn around and face that tiger. The idea being that one day that could save their lives because they've rehearsed this life and death scenario. And I know in our world, it's not life and death. But in some ways, when you do find yourself in that really conflict solution, you have been there before. You've had a little glimpse and a little role play. You've been there before. You've had a rehearsal. You can actually ace it this time (laughs) and not lose it as you would in a dream, you know. 
you know, because I think obviously time and space are all mashed together, that there's things that we intuitively know might be coming, could be in another part of our life, but that maybe the dream gives us that opportunity to safely, because there are less rules there. Well, dreams are beyond space and time, aren't they? There's no space and concept of time. So that there is close as you can get to a spiritual dimension. And in some cultures, again, they are the window to spirit, to soul, to maybe where we go when we die. I don't know the answers to that. I have my ideas and my belief. But yeah, there's no space and time at all. And that's why there is a very tiny category that you highlighted on here of dreams. I would say about 0.5 or maybe 0.2% of dreams, which are potentially precognitive, which can glimpse potential futures. Now, I don't want everybody to think, well, because I dreamt I was in a car accident last night, that's going to happen. Overwhelmingly, no. Most dreams are psychological, symbolic. However, there is a very, very rare category of dreams which don't fall into that category. They are being researched by scientists who study consciousness. I work with those scientists. And there's a very different feel to these precognitive dreams. They tend to be ultra-realistic, and they tend to be very logical Most symbolic dreams are like a a music video, a series of scenes and fragments that sort of don't really have a beginning and a middle and end. Precognitive dreams tend to have a very realistic setting that you wake up and you think that really happened and a beginning, middle and end. However, you won't know if your dream is precognitive unless you have proof and you write it down. Well, I love it when people write to me, whatever, but when they say to me, in hindsight, I remember I had a dream and I would then ask for the proof because working with scientists, I've learned so much the importance of proof. Nowadays, I want to see a timestamp, preferably from a phone, that you had this dream and then two days later, something played out. So you need to gather proof to find out if you are having precognitive dreams. But please don't be alarmed. Great majority of dreams are not precognitive in any shape or form. I was visiting with a woman named Casey Crown. She's a a therapist, but she uses science and the notion of a spiritual approach, which would mean just more in love and not so judgy in the therapy part. But she does a lot about rewiring the brain and nervous system through sort of some of these therapies. I was just wondering if you've had any experience with people who also somehow could use the dream because she says you can literally have sort of an automatic rewiring. Maybe you're faced with the information and all of a sudden your understanding of the information completely shifts, your perspective shifts, and then now you have a reset. Absolutely. When you're asleep and dreaming, you're actually more alert and aware. There's research to show that your brain is actually more alert and aware than when you're awake, in, especially when you lucid dream. That's when you know you're dreaming when you're dreaming. But yes, the brain doesn't really know the difference between dreaming and awake. So yes, you can reshape your brain with your dreams, but it's your attitude towards your dreams. As I say, if you have this dismissive attitude, which we do as we've become very logical, materialistic, technological, we have lost our ancient connection back in time to this aspect of ourselves. So you've got to reunite with that aspect of yourself. And then you can quite literally reshape your brain with your dreaming mind and what you choose to do in your dreams and what you choose to do with them. And to reference, you talked about someone who's lost a parent or a loved one or any or a son or daughter or anyone. There is research, credible research from the University of Northampton, actually, in in the UK. I work with Dr. Cal Cooper, who's been researching dreams of the bereaved. And in over 88% of the cases, people who have a dream of meeting a departed loved one in their dreams, they deal better with the grieving process. So whatever you think about dreaming, whether you believe it's real or not, having a dream of someone who is departed is not a depressing, awful experience for most people when they wake up and think, oh, they were alive in the dream, now they're not. It's actually the most exciting, beautiful, healing dream Because you realize a part of that person, I don't know what it is, their essence, their spark, called it their soul, has not gone. Because the dream, often when they meet departed loved ones in a dream, it's so them. You have a conversation. I mean, I've had conversation with both my departed parents that had been so rich and so nuanced. And even their, their habits and what they say to me. And I've woken up and I felt you're somewhere. I don't know where you are. But you're somewhere, whether you believe in life after death or not, is incredibly comforting. It's incredibly comforting. And it gives you a sense that maybe, just maybe, we'll connect and we'll meet again one day. And that's beautiful. It's not what some people think, a negative thing and giving you false hope. 
It's not because anyone who's lost a departed loved one will know they're gone. They're physically, you know, you can't touch them. That's gone. You know that. But don't take the memories. Don't take the soul. Don't take the the relationship. That does not die. One of the biggest selling songs of all time was Celine Dion's My Heart Goes On for a reason. We do agree with that. We agree with it in our music and our art. You know, in our daily lives, we tend to not. But our hearts cried for that song. I know it's very cliched. But why that song? There's so many other beautiful ballads. Why is that the best-selling song of all time? The heart goes on, and it's all about, after death, having that connection that's so strong, the love's so strong, it's not gone. And also, recently this year, the Disney movie Soul. And I love that because the scientists that I've been working with these last five years, they helped research the afterlife scenes in Soul. And I have taken now, when people want to talk to me about my research into the afterlife, I just say, go and watch Disney Soul. It won an Oscar for a reason. These scientists have actually been researching afterlife dreams, afterlife visions, near-death experiences. And so everything in that movie is as close to the science that we know, but beautifully presented in a mainstream way for children. Isn't it incredible that we've got to that point? Disney. Because children are still open and they're not disconnected from it. It makes me weepy just thinking about people having that opportunity, those moments. I don't see dead people like a medium, but I feel that they're all around me all the time. I have conversations in my dreams to my parents, to people I've loved and lost. You know, William Wordsworth, I'm going to get very British now, a wonderful poem called We Are Seven, where a little girl is beside a grave and Wordsworth is standing beside her, the poet. And he's saying, how many brothers and sisters have you got? And she says, seven. But the poet knows, well, no, there's only five of you because two have died. And she says, no, we are seven. And she plays and talks with the spirits of the the two children that are dead. For her, being a child, they're not dead because she knows they're not somehow. That's how I feel. And I think that's how a lot of people feel. If you know, if you spend time with people before they're passing, they feel that connection too with soul and spirits of everybody. It's almost I've spoken to people parting visions that they feel that all the departed loved ones are gathered around their bedside. Dreams can be the there's the start of connecting you to that soul aspect. And I think for people it would be comforting and overwhelming and all kinds of things. I have to ask because I'm also geared for this. From a performance point of view. And I don't mean logical. I want to talk about when I say performance, I mean like when you're connected with yourself and your world and the people in it. I'm talking about that kind of performance, not like, you know, I'm number one, I'm crushing it, I'm the CEO. That has a different kind of performance, but I feel like real performance, because when people talk about success, for me, it's when you're in harmony with who you are and your external life as much as you can. That's how we're learning. We're learning through things that are disruptive. So I get that we have to have that. But let's say you have an athlete or somebody who comes to you and maybe their confidence is down or they're looking for flow or whatever it is, more fluidity flow in their life. Is there a way to send people into their dreams? Because you can't say, hey, I want to be number one. I don't actually think that's the way to find it. It's I'm trying to be my best. I'm looking for flow state. I'm trying to connect with the right people, maybe who can give me the information. Is there a way to send people into their dreams in a performance kind of orientation? Yes, you can set the intention to dream about what your skill set is and to rehearse that. There is research to show that practicing your skill set in your dreams can certainly improve it. There was a kickboxer, I believe, who had a very complicated set of moves that he wasn't mastering. Then he dreamt he did it. And then the next day he aced it. Yeah. But I love what you're saying is that success and fulfillment. And I think that happens as you get older. It's a sign of of maturity. You realize that, yes, it's important that you excel at what you do. But unless you're happy right here, right now with yourself in the present moment, it's meaningless. And again, to reference Disney Soul, the key character there wants to be a musician. He thinks his happiness is playing the piano in a jazz band. He gets that, it happens, but then afterwards he says, well, now what? I'm not happy. And the other person says, well, you just do it again tomorrow night. But he has to go on a journey and he has to die and go to the afterlife to understand happiness is loving who he is, loving the taste of a pizza, watching a leaf fall from a tree and seeing the magic. And that is the journey of our lives. Because we're all going to die, whether you're president or a street cleaner, people will forget you in time. 
everything is transient. And of course, we're on this planet for a reason to excel. And if you have a gift, of course you should do it, but only if it brings you joy. Because it's not bringing you joy. You're doing it to get other people to clap or say, well done. It's for them. We are here to develop ourselves and to find our joy in life. And if you found that, whether you're number one or not, you are a success. Some of the happiest people I know are the most unlikely people. They're the people who collect my rubbish or, or the people who are, are busking on the streets. And then you see a busy, stressed CEO who's got everything. It's redefining our notion of what happiness is. And it's so sad that the way society's gone, especially with the internet and social media, that it's all about how many likes you have, how you look, how much money you have, all this. And uh, dream work, however, is just your subtle nightly reminder. No, that's not going to make you happy. You think it will. It won't. Because so many people get what they want. And then it's like, well, so what now? And you won't feel like that, though, if you've, if you've lived every moment with joy. Then it'll be just something you do because it's joyful and it's who you are. If it's not really who you are, when you get it, you'll be hit with this crushing wave of depression because you've been doing it because of other people or society's expectations. And that's so sad. That is one of the biggest ass kickers. And I, you know, being coming from a sports background and knowing a lot of people who read it was very clear that that wasn't going to be the answer to that sense of purpose or peace inside because I could see the story over and over and over. It was like, okay, do you like me now? Am I good enough now? Do you yeah. Like me now? And the problem yeah. is also it's not sustainable. So even if you were number one, the guys, they win the, you know, football world championship or, you know, Super Bowl in America. It's like the next day, Monday, great. You're going to do it again. Exactly. It's the treadmill that never ends. So that, thing you're talking about for me is so important. So let's talk about you as a as a mom, if you will. Yes. You have teenagers? I have oh 23 and 21 now. Tell me, are, are they boys or girls? One boy, he's 23, and a girl who's 21, yes. So how do you raise them with this idea? Because you're in the quote regular world. I feel like maybe you were in a more protected bubble growing up. So that conversation was maybe broader in your community maybe in the world that you're in, how do you teach your children not to be afraid to have this practice or even to share it with their friends? Do they have a time where they're like, oh, I don't want to hear about dreams and they rebel? Like, <laughs> I mean, no, they, they are very into it. I've always encouraged them to follow their passion and not to go with the crowd really and to do what makes their heart sing. I mean, of course, I'm their mother. So, you know, they laugh at me. I'm the angel lady here in the UK. They cringe, you know. However, when I get on cool things like this podcast or Capital Radio or Russell Brand, then suddenly, mum, can I come with you? I encourage them to just follow their passion and to not worry. Also, I encourage them to fail because I think it's important to learn. You learn most from your failures. So don't not do something because you're frightened of failing. I have encouraged failure a lot. We, are, we really embrace failure in our family. And I know that sounds, sounds odd, but it's so, so important. Because then they learn to laugh at themselves as well, take themselves a little bit less seriously. And then it's all about what I was saying, that if you're not enjoying the present moment, are you happy right now? What is the point? There's too many of us to think, well, I'll be happy when I get my degree. I'll be happy when I get that job. I'll be happy when I've got X money in the bank. I'll be happy when I have a certain figure. It's trying to stop that. They were saved from up to the age of 10 from the social media because of the age they are. I do feel for kids who are younger now who have just literally from the age of five got an iPhone with Facebook or whatever on there. So, but I did notice a real change when that became so important and to try and separate them from their phones is my biggest challenge. I really do try and when they come to see me, no phones. It's, there's no conversation then. They're having this intimate relationship with their phone <laughs> and nothing else. It's interesting. I think, you know, my kids, especially the middle and the youngest, the phone is more of an issue. Yes. It's funny. I think about that. It's like parenting. I would say that the majority of parents would say that 75%, let's say, um, give or take, of the hassle is, can you get off your phone? Can you put your phone down? How much time have you been on your phone? You know, you wonder where it all goes. And I say, especially my youngest, who's 13, I'm like, she is the experiment. 
kids from like 10 to 18 right now, they're in the sweet spot for the experiment. Like we're going to see what happens. Your kids are a little older, so they yeah. got a little more runway. The idea of talking to them early about their dreams is better that it's instilled in their life of like, oh, I dreamt this yesterday. Now, when you say symbols, is there specific things about this idea of things that are symbolic or symbols, or it's just unique to everyone? It's unique to everyone. Of course, there's a common symbolic language, and I've written dream dictionaries about them. My best-selling book is hugely popular. Is thousands and thousands of dream symbols. For example, if you dream of a dog, that's a universal symbol of loyalty. However, if you're frightened of dogs, it's not. It's a symbol of fear. So I always say the best dictionary, my publishers hate me for saying that, the best dream dictionary you write is the one you write yourself. But you have your own unique symbols. However, as a starting point, it's really good to look at the universal symbolism of things because we have a collective unconscious approach that it can really help. Like if the sun appears in your dreams, it's going to be about a new day, about optimism, about warmth, for example, typically. Very hard to have a different association with the sun. Although you have to bring in your personal association that is absolutely fundamental to dream interpretation. But start though with if you're not used to thinking symbolically or in metaphor, if you didn't thrive at English literature at school, things like pathetic fallacy when the weather dictates the mood of the scene, like the Bronte novels, you know, it's always hailing and rain whenever a character's having turmoil. If you're not used to thinking like that, then that's a good starting point. Because once you start feeding your brain that kind of information, thinking artistically, thinking musically, thinking poetry is a great way to activate the symbolic language. I used to teach, actually, I used to get people to read Coleridge, Kubla Khan, that kind of poem. All this rich symbols, that's the language of dreams. Poetry is very close to the language of dreams, where it's so rich and intense what the poet is pouring into there. If you're not used to thinking that way, Dream dictionaries are very helpful for kickstarting the brain into a new way of thinking. And it is so rewarding. Please don't think it's all woo-woo or out there. It truly isn't. It's basically helping you have a richer life because it will give you an ability to see your life from a new perspective, the other, the part of you that you're not yet in touch with, the part of you that can really help you make a creative leap in your work, your relationships, your health. It's like brainstorming, super brainstorming, and you can do it yourself. You'd save a lot of money on counseling and therapy. You think of it, you go to a counselor and they say, well, how are you feeling? How do you feel about that? How does that make you feel? Your dreams are doing that for you. You don't need to pay the money. <laughs> talk to your dreams. Imagine your dream is sitting in front of you and talk to your dreams. Like if you dreamt of a bicycle, have a conversation with that bicycle. What are you trying to tell me? What associations do I have with bicycle? Am I going too slowly? Do I need to pedal faster? Or do I maybe need to upgrade to a car? Have this dialogue. It's not, it's not insane. It really can help you. I can't help but think that also when you pay attention a little more to these types of symbolic ideas or images, that also would make you notice more in your everyday life, obviously. We miss so much. We miss, and I think that's what a psychic is really. You know, a psychic actually is someone, you could say Sherlock Holmes, such a popular, not a psychic, but he is really, he's, he's intuitive. He'll come into a room and he'll notice a button missing off someone's shirt and make connections, you know, things like that. The most of us don't, the tiny details. We go through our life not picking up on tiny, tiny details. I will be looking at the books on your shelf. What does that say about you? All, all the books, the picture, the placement of the cushions and all that. Being intuitive, being psychic, that is what it is. It's noticing what people think isn't important, but so is. But even the choice of color that you're wearing, the green, everything. You know, that's what a psychic will do. They will read and it annoys me that people think psychics have a supernatural ability. They don't. They're just super observant. And that helps them that their clients will go, wow, how did you know that? For you, what have you been dreaming about lately? I dream a lot about the ocean and boats and seas and swimming. And I guess given what I do, because water is a universal symbol of emotion and it's navigating that. For example, if I have a client or a message that comes in, I get very intensely involved within it. I've got to learn to navigate that better. That's what I'm dreaming about currently. But my dreams 
really do shift. And during COVID, I was dreaming a lot about wearing masks and the anxiety of would my loved ones get it and all that. And it was helping me deal with all that anxiety. That's why we had the lockdown dream phenomenon. Everybody was reporting weird and wonderful dreams in the lockdown. It was again our dreaming mind trying to help us deal with this chaos that our lives were suddenly thrown into. Also, it was our dreaming mind saying, hey, this is a real chance for you to reflect on who who are you? What matters in your life? What gives your life meaning? And the lockdown dream phenomenon is very well researched. And it was actually incredible for me as a dream author, because suddenly I had all these people wanting to talk to me about their dreams. I mean, I started in the early 2000s writing about it. So I've really been banging the dream drum forever, but never has there been more interest in the last two years. So what you're saying is that you also have to protect yourself, but in the process of sort of engaging in other people's dreams and things, you're working on finding ways to also maybe... Set a boundary, yeah, because I'm quite quite sensitive, as I suspect you are too. And when in your work, you must find that it's very hard to cut off because you care about someone or something, and it's hard to say no. But that's, I think, the mark of a good teacher, actually, is you've got to help other people help themselves. Well, that's it. I have a daughter. I would say I'm not empathetic. I can feel it, but I don't need to wear it as my own, but I can be aware of it. I have a daughter who's highly empathetic. And when she was four and five years old, I would be like, can you- What sign is she, do you mind me asking? She is a Libra. Oh, really? Yeah. Librans, they see every aspect of a situation. They find it so hard to have their own opinions, don't they? Because they always see the other side. Always. They're always- Oh, gosh. say to her, listen, can you not wear your friend's problems as your own? Little. That's Libra. You can be there for them. I even joke with her because she's very kind. She's a bit of a white witch. Feeling it all and seeing it all. And mom, be careful of that. and Don't do this. And I'm like, okay. With your husband, does he share his dreams with you? Or is that like... Well, my husband's very interesting, actually. I think sometimes we draw into our lives what we lack. My husband (laughs) is super rational. And he's Chinese. He's Chinese. Yeah, yeah. Almost bordering on the Buddhist and we're complete opposites. And that's very refreshing for me because in my line of work, I obviously mix with a certain type of people, but he is totally rational, totally logical. It's a good balance that way. And I think we can still learn from us. There's tension sometimes because he laments my lack of common sense because I'm so sort of... (laughs) And I just get frustrated. Well, can you not dream with the stars, you know? But it's good because I think we we do attract people in our lives who help us. Because I need to learn to be more logical. I need to learn to think practically common sense. My children would be clothed in books rather than anything. I, I love books and everything like that. But he says, yes, well, we also need to earn the money. You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit like a, a ship. And yes. you, you're both kind of pulling each other to keep it more steady instead of yes. healing one side or the other. So yeah. that is fascinating. So I do think people are experiencing just so much now, like you said, with COVID and the combative narrative that's out in the world. And we're all supposedly so polarized, but I don't believe that we are. I think all you have to do is go to a market and say good morning to somebody and how are you doing or how are you <sighs> up? And I think right away you would understand that we're all really connected and we're not so we're not opposing each other the way that the world would like us to believe. But if you could set out an invitation to somebody listening that's maybe navigating this and just the normal trials and tribulations of being a biological and spiritual human, what invitation, especially if they wanted to explore what you're saying, whether it's you could direct them to your books or just an invitation to pay more attention to their dreams, what would you say? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for doing this podcast because I'm in awe of you and all that you do and your work. And I'm so grateful that you're highlighting what many people think is not that important, their dream life. And to connect into what you said about us being polarized, the wonderful thing about dreams, whatever your age, culture, politics, you still dream. It illustrates our shared humanity. So focusing on your dreams is focusing on what unites us all. We all dream. And if you don't think you dream, you do. You've just forgotten to recall them. You need to remember how to do that. And it's very simple to do that. Pay attention to them. Take them seriously. Give it a go. See if your life feels richer and kinder and deeper with some dream work. And you're more than welcome to get in touch with me. I love hearing from people and send me your dreams. It may take me a while if I'm busy, but I always reply. 
and we'll give you a pointer about how you can work with a dream. Make sure it's a dream that you really, really want to know the answer to, and I will try and point you in the right direction. It's very easy to get in touch with me. I'm still on AOL. I can't believe it. I have not moved with the times. <laughs> angeltalk710 at aol.com, or my website is www.treesachung.com. And Barnes & Noble has a special edition of my Dream Dictionary A to Z. And they actually got that special edition in the early 2000s. And it's still to this day <laughs> out there selling. And it was reissued actually by HarperCollins, I think last year. Yeah. And I'm doing another book with HarperCollins coming out about dreaming as well next year. So I want to encourage people to go to all of these places. Should they discuss it and write it down, do both? What do you think is a great start? Just be I think with your dreams, be careful because they're for you. They're, they're for you. And don't scatter yourself. Sometimes I think we are guilty of oversharing. And this is your dreams encouraging you to have that dialogue with yourself. Write them down, ponder them. And then from a position of strength, the thing is with dreams, they're very intimate. They're very deep. They're very personal. You're actually dialoguing with your soul and treat that with sacred respect. Don't just fling it out there. I always feel deeply, deeply, deeply honored when people write to me about their dreams because I feel almost it's sacred. They are sharing a bit of their soul. So if anyone does share a dream with you, just treat it with deep respect and with yourself as well, your own dreams. Treat them with the respect that they deserve. Ponder them. They are encouraging you to self-reflect. That's all. And there's no harm in that. However dark or deep or difficult or traumatic your dreams, even if they're bordering on nightmares, please know every single one's a gift with an opportunity for you to learn more about yourself. And every time you learn more about yourself, you transform, you evolve. And I think the meaning of our lives is found in learning, growth and evolution. We are here not to stay the same or to find so-called bliss. Because as I said, bliss doesn't teach you anything. It's the journey. And sometimes growth hurts. Sometimes growth is painful. But as long as you know through that pain, I'm finding my meaning, that's what can help you move forward and get you the inner strength. Observe your pain. Encourage you to step outside what's happening in your life and observe it from that bigger picture perspective. Where's the growth? Where's the lesson? Where's the learning? When you can do that, you find that your life is deeply meaningful. As long as you're learning, you're living a life of meaning. Death is not learning. Death is thinking, I know it all. I have a closed mind. That's why people always say, I know. We don't know. Maturity is getting comfortable with ambiguity and not knowing. You can disagree with someone, but understand where they're coming from. That's all I'm saying is keep an open mind and keep an open mind about your dreams too. So I really am so grateful. Somebody who is highly logical, I'll be honest with you, but I think having children has been the thing that really helped yeah. to learn to do it a different way because also they politely and impolitely reminded <laughs> me that that would be a really good idea. <laughs> you know, I was highly organized. All the boxes were checked. It was like, yeah, hello. Yeah. <laughs> now, can you get in the trenches with us? I really appreciate this work because also what it does for me is it creates a conversation that makes it safe for people to take yeah. a look at it. I think that's so important is to remind people that the how do we create safe spaces for the really scary stuff and then start to realize, you know, we're all going through it the same, the fact that you can make those improvements. Because for me, I love the idea of like, hey, let's talk about it. But I do like the idea of like, can we make some shifts and changes? So thank you so much. And thank you for bearing with me. You're talking about success, because obviously, then also, you know, I want to my books to sell really well. And that was always a driving force with me. I think it was about 10 years ago when I got my dog and I loved the dog so much. And I suddenly thought, well, if I had a choice between the New York Times number one and my dog, I'd choose my dog and I'm wealthy already. That was really kind of like, and same with family, you choose your family. If you were offered a choice, think about that, the things you really love. If you're offered a choice, it was one or the other. Then you think, well, why are you unhappy? You're wealthy already. You have what's most important to you. So focus on that. Or remind me sometimes, you know, we have businesses and they do well. And sometimes though it's hard and what have you, and he'll say, Hey, our girls are healthy. Our friends are healthy. We're getting on. We try to work and have a harmonious relationship. And he's like, what would you trade? Yeah. And I think too, that the dreams help us recognize to your point that we be it hard challenges externally. A lot of us are still incredibly wealthy already. Yes, we are. We are wealthy because we can go to sleep and dream. Just every morning when you wake up is a miracle. And it's not to sound morbid, you never know. You don't ever know. We think we're here forever and 
COVID has shown us that life is so, so precious. Every moment, if you're not happy in the present moment, don't think that doing X, Y, and Z is going to change that. Right here, right now, dream on it. And then use your dream power, fuel your life with magic and creativity and an understanding that you are so much more than you believe you are. So much more to you beneath the surface. We just show a tiny percentage of ourselves during the day. But at night, we go to this vast, vast cavern of endless, infinite potential beyond space and time. Tap more into that. (laughs) Teresa, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. All of my music was graciously done by Frank Zumo and Tom Thacker. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.